0: AV Nation is brought to you by Atlona, the go-to provider for AV signal distribution and control in corporate, higher education, and residential spaces. Learn more at atlona.com. I think the way our technologies are going, as we have cloud tools, as we integrate our personal lives, right, all of us, I mean, we have streaming service. How many of us live on Uh, Utilizing some type of cloud service from our office tools, everybody's tools. Uh, We happen to be recording on a cloud service right now, right? (laughs) There are a lot of layers
1: to this. It's almost too conceptual to follow, but I love it. Hacking AV systems, creating the best work from home setup, and wrapping up CES 2024. All that and more. Next on AV Week. This is AV Week, episode 647, recorded Friday. January 12, 2024, narrowing the pro and consumer gap. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news, and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us to discuss the biggest stories of the week. First and foremost, my very dear friend from Southern California, Mr. Josiah, Dr. Josiah Way from UCLA. Welcome, sir.
0: Hey, thank you so much, Tim. It's a pleasure to always be here with you.
1: Absolutely. Uh, and a young man I got to meet uh, through a mutual friend, uh, Kelly Perkins from The Farm AV. His name is Sean Murphy. He is also from The Farm AV. Welcome, sir. Hello. Uh, happy to be here. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, so <laughs> we uh, we went to CES this week. If you're not familiar with, with CES, when I say we, myself and, and Patrick Norton, uh, one of our writers, head out to Vegas. Patrick has covered more CESs in the last 30 years than I care uh, to count. Uh, I have more hair than he does, which may be correlation i don't know uh but he's been to a lot of them so i got to learn a lot from him so thanks so much to him for for, for bringing me along and teaching me the robes of ces so ces is consumer electronics show put on by the cta the consumer technology association similar to how avixa puts on infocom right so that that's the the, the, the pro av correlation there kids uh about a hundred thousand people is what they were shooting for what what the cta was saying as of friday afternoon when we're recording this they do not have official numbers because technically the the today or tomorrow is the last day of the show but it's ginormous right it felt like one hundred and thirty thousand people it felt like you know orders of magnitude larger than infocom and and even uh, isd that that joe and i are both headed to in about a month actually about two three weeks uh but it it was huge and, and understand when you go to Infocom, there's two, in, in Vegas, typically it's like the Center Hall in the Las Vegas Convention Center and like the north or the west, right? Two of those three. CES is all three of those. The parking lot of the Las Vegas Convention Center and the Venetian Conference Center, what used to be called the Sands Convention Center. And oh yeah, four dozen suites in the Venetian and all the meeting rooms in the it it's, it is a big show one of my favorite places to go to is a place called eureka park it's where all the innovation not all the innovation but, but these are small little itty bitty you know uh five by five booths where people that have a crazy idea they go to ces and they're like here here's some stuff we found some really really interesting things look for some articles next week from both patrick and i uh two things really quickly about eureka park one was uh, a company that was allowing you to put in a PCI slot in your computer to augment and supercharge your AI creation. That was very interesting. Uh, the other one was the fact that the Department of Homeland Security was there. They were looking for innovators, right? They, they were looking for pe- people to, uh, to to partner with. On the AV side, here's a couple of things that, that I want to point out. Number one, the overarching theme of the of this year's CES was AI. That was a a no brainer, we knew that going in. Uh, David Danto and I interviewed Steve Koenig from CTA about a month or so ago. He said, the overarching thing is AI. You felt that, right? Both from the Venetian and over at the Las Vegas Convention Center, there was AI everywhere. Google had it, Kia had it, everybody had some version of AI or something they were doing with AI. Cars, a plenty, LG had their own car. Sony, uh, the partnership with Honda, right? So several things like that. On the commercial AV side, though, walking around the show floor with with Patrick, who traditionally has done consumer electronics coverage uh, in, in his career, but he's been inside the AV industry for about two years now, and he's walking around and he's going, this is really interesting. The consumer side is finally catching up with the commercial side. And he referenced two different things on that. One was the transparent um, LCDs. LG had one of the best d- demonstrations of that. Samsung had some, TCL had some, a lot of folks had transparent L- uh, LEDs or LCDs, but we've been seeing those for about three or four years now at Infocom and ISC. The other one was things like the wall and direct view LED. Both, you know, all, all the display manufacturers have some gorgeous displays, but we've seen those before. So, Joe, I'm going to, you know, hit you with a couple things, but, you know, one of the things, you've got AI, you've got really, really awesome displays that we've already kind of seen, and you had conferencing technology. Uh, Emerson, who's an overarching, ginormous uh, electronics um, manufacturer, they had a self-contained conferencing unit, right? So you've got that there. When you look at the coverage of, of CES from The Verge and from Engadget and folks like that, what was the biggest things that you saw coming out of CES that's going to impact the users in, in corporate and in higher education?
0: Yeah, this is the easiest question to answer because I think you just already named them all. Um, and, uh, you know, so I appreciate that. Uh, no, uh, the, the thing is about, about C- CES, and especially this year, I think compared to last year, everyone did have to jump on the AI bandwagon. But the difference is AI is actually developed now. Right. We're actually able to see it in our real lives. Right. When you have chat GPT goes public. It's not that these didn't exist beforehand. They just went public. Right. And now we have technologies that are coming out in our consumer hands, in our hands that we can buy for our house or use in our daily lives are now Public and so you're seeing that integration, and then when you take those, uh, you know, the technologies that we would see at a commercial AV show, and you put them at a com, you know, a consumer show, um, it means that this merge, this this gap, is now narrowing. And when I look at CES, um, and what it means for me is because I have you know forty five thousand. People aged 18 to 21 walking around my campus, right? And I have people who want to say, what is it I use in my daily life? And I want to use that in a classroom, right? Slightly different than uh, a a commercial, even though we are in the commercial integration side, different than a real commercial use. So I sit there and go, what's happening here is going to come to me and I have to have an answer for it within two years because I'm going to now be expected to support that. Right. And so now as we see this integration of displays of smart home things, things that we can do and personalization with our phone, the things that we can do in office and work, I now have to go, okay, how can I bring that in? And I think, and I'm hoping, and it'll be interesting to, to take CES and uh, trust me, at some point, I'm going to get to a point, a CES and ISE. And if I could pull those together, is there going to be a point where it's just technology is technology, we almost don't have a gap anymore, right? We've already seen it with with uh, ISE of, okay, you know, residential and commercial together. Now they're practically the same. Are we going to now start seeing that in consumer technology, because we're now using this chip based, right? We're doing these things, things cloud based, these are software based, these are technologies that are programming. So does it, is the difference between you know commercial and residential commercial yeah and residential and consumer really just the grade of plastic you're putting the thing in right is that really going to be our difference
1: Sean, same kind of question. Uh, you know, what what were some of the things that you came, that you saw coming out of Vegas that is going to have an impact on on the commercial commercial side?
2: There was one device in particular um, that kind of piqued my interest. It was called the uh, the Rabbit R One Pocket AI Companion, um, and I think Joe kind of hit a good point, which is like we're not that far off from AI just kind of running, you know, our daily lives. Uh, you know, I. And there's already a push for – there has been for a while in commercial AV of of building automation into AV systems. You know, the user walks into the room and everything turns on and it routes to the right input. And they have camera trackings you and and ceiling mics tracking you. And, and, you know, uh, basically like a a seamless, touchless experience. Um, I don't see AI, you know – uh, far behind being integrated into those same spaces, to where like it can learn, you know, from patterns in a room and start, you know, integrating that within an AV system, to where you know I program the AI, now the AI does the work. You know, oh, they use this one specific input a lot. That'll become the default, right? And that's maybe a an interesting use case. But um, the fact that AI is already like in our scheduling software and in our in our hardware for um, all different types of devices in the home, I, I see it coming to commercial spaces like conference rooms and high impact, you know, multi use spaces. Joe, you
1: you mentioned something there, you know, that I want to circle back on for a second. And you talked about the gap between consumer and commercial. And there was a point in time, it's almost like a pendulum, that there's a couple of years where holy cow, it's the consumer electronics group and they're driving innovation, right? They're the ones who gave us the HDMI plug and we can talk about whether or not that's good or bad. But, but there was a time when that was where the innovation was happening. That came back over here to the consumer commercial side. Where are we at with that pendulum swing? Do you think it's it's com- consu- commercial side that's really driving the innovation now and, and finally it's getting back over that that is it's coming into consumer? You, you know, I would actually say the pendulum is straight at the bottom, okay. right? Uh, you know, I think
0: that we are in a time of transition. Um, and and it's, it's interesting because I think that, and we, well, we've seen it in the commercial side, right? of that things have already been changing the the what what an integrator is providing has changed the development of of end users being more p- empowered has changed right the industry as a business model has changed and i think that what we're now seeing is the technology now moving up to it because what was going to happen and just kind of bring this back around to the the you know the kind of the hyper personalization the the ai the non need for you know to program something, then means that now high quality technologies can be brought to the average person easily, right? Think back a few years ago, we were having the all these arguments in our industry, Well, which is better configuration or programming, which is better? You know what's better? Neither. Let the thing do what it needs to do and be smarter than us, right? And we're almost getting there. This is Aaron Marmoran of EdTech. The world of higher ed AV is growing rapidly. That's why each month we hear from the best and brightest from colleges and universities all over the U.S. Check out EdTech on avnation.tv or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.
1: Yeah, we're getting very close. Next story comes to us from AV Magazine. Uh, This happened not in the States, but it's still an important thing to talk about. A cyber attack on Victoria's court audiovisual system has compromised sensitive legal recordings. Nobody on this call was involved. I'm just going to point that out. Court services uh, at Victoria discovered on the 21st of December that hackers had infiltrated the network on the 1st of November, so almost two months, but I'm not going to point that out, accessing seven weeks of video and audio from various courts. Chief Executive Louise Anderson revealed that while no financial or employee records were obtained, Supreme County magistrates and uh, coroner's court proceedings may be in criminal's possession, quote unquote, including a children's court recording from October. She stated that the breach was confined, quote unquote, to stored network recordings. Ongoing uh, January hearings will continue after isolating and disabling the affected system. Joe, start with you on this. How do we safeguard our AV systems? (laughs)
0: <laughs> um, how about having someone on staff whose sole role is, is taking security and, impo- you know, uh, seriously, important, seriously. <laughs> right. Um, that's going to be the first thing, right. Um, I'm sure these systems were nice and secure when they were first done. Are you though? No, I'm not. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. OK, I'm giving them that it was written in the RFP and that's what was put in. But but, you know, I hear that software and, 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 and hardware have firmware upgrades and things like that and security patches that have to be applied. It's a rumor totally, yes. I know it's a rumor. Um, and so obviously that's where a lot of these things happen uh, or just people who. You know, I mean, obviously, we know most cybersecurity attacks happen because of human error, not because of the actual network was hacked or the equipment was was bad. So it's usually a human. Um, I can see how if you've got, you know, especially with recordings, people want easier access. I mean, we'll forget the fact that you know courts are usually open and public, so they access something that's open
1: and public. Hang on for a but second, though. That's not the point. That that's not because there are times where it, I mean a. a- a, child, a child's course. Yeah. Those are closed, at least in the States. That's right? true. I have no idea about Australia, but in the States, those are closed. But yes. Yes.
0: But, I, but the, the point is you need people who take it seriously, right? right? And you need your cybersecurity teams. And that's exactly what we do. Um, and in fact, you know, I think I know there's this whole... Um, debate of, you know, what should go on a network, what shouldn't go on a network and, you know, and and all of that stuff. And my thought is, is I'm not even going to attempt to put something in until my security team and my infrastructure team gives me that stamp, right? When I look at something, I send it to them first and let them, and you know, if your product or your ecosystem doesn't live up, well, I'm not going to waste my time with the proof of concept then. Because you need to make sure that first.
1: That's actually a really, really good point, and something that that manufacturers should take aware to take note of is if it doesn't even pass the pen test, the penetration test, you know, don't, don't even actually, quite frankly, don't even come to market anymore. Um, Sean, I'm going to ask you a very dangerous question. Um, I was talking to a, a very dear friend of mine who is a lot smarter than I am, especially on on programming and security. Uh, his name is Mike and he gave me the dangerous question. So I'm not throwing Mike under the bus cause I'm the one asking it. <laughs> Are we to the point where we should just say, forget this whole putting AB on the network and air gap the suckers. And that's a hundred percent secure.
2: I, th- well, I mean, that's a great question. And again, Joe brought up a really good point. It's like, if your stuff just is not secure, don't even bother. Right. And, um, there are some manufacturers who, up until very recently, still used default passwords on all of their networked devices. Right, <laughs> you know, and uh, uh, I think there's a push now more than ever to get that cybersecurity, you know, nailed down, um, especially with the AV push to have everything be a networked endpoint and it's all PoE. You know, so it's just a single CAT cable to a switch, right? Um, but there are a lot of solutions out there that can be accomplished without integrating with a corporate network. Um, uh, especially with, um, like Netgear making AV specific switches. You don't have to integrate now with the clients, you know, um, corporate Cisco or something else, you know, system, because there's this other solution out there, um, And I've really only programmed systems that go on a corporate network for very specific use cases. And those use cases are vetted out, like, way ahead of time to make sure that it's secure. And if it doesn't need to go on the network, I don't see a need to do that. You know, keep it air-gapped, keep it isolated, and then you just don't have to worry necessarily about it.
1: So if you're not watching the video... Joe is, is vigorously shaking his head no. So, Mr. Way?
0: Yeah, I'm just here for the controversy, Tim. I'm just here for the controversy. <laughs> See, I look at it completely differently, right? Um, so that let me, I'm going to unpack this in two ways. One. The isolated network thing, our own thing, is a misnomer and it's a false because here's the thing. Even if I have my own segregated AV network, all someone has to do is get on that one and they have access to everything else, right? We've all seen the porn that's going up on digital signage and all that. All you got to do is hack one of the boxes and you got access to all of them, right? Just the only difference is you aren't doing it remotely. You might be doing it on-prem right? So there's still management having to be done. So I think that we have to understand that it's not just, oh, well, if I segregate the net, then I'm safe. Well, no, that's not true, first off, right? If the people can be on-prem. Now, um, second, I think the way our technologies are going, as we have cloud tools, as we integrate our personal lives, right? All of us, I mean, we have streaming service. How many of us live on uh, utilizing some type of cloud service from our office tools, oh, to everybody's tools. Yeah. Uh, we happen to be recording on a cloud service right now, yep. yeah. right? <laughs> um, and so the the fact is. That's only going to become more part of our lives and our customers are going to want to integrate it. So one of the things that we did at my former institution, we ran on the production network. Our entire, you know, 6,000 nodes of AD was on the same production network because we could then integrate with all the learning tools across the campus. And I think that that's important now because there are ways you can, you know, you can still segregate the content traffic, but the way things talk to each other. We, I think we want to be able to uh, uh, integrate and integrate with the other server tools that might exist, depending upon your, you know, I'm speaking from higher ed point of view, we have tons of server tools, right? But every industry has their own things. And the more we can integrate those, the more we can provide a better service to our customers. So I am on the, no, let's, let's bring it all together. Let's not worry about separating it, but let's have good. Practices for cybersecurity and security, and have people on practice in order to understand how we can put those together. The,
1: the one thing I want to point out, Joy, is, is you made a good point. There's the fact that you're talking from a high red standpoint. Um, you know, I, you know, everybody knows my. my, my we're I a mean, nation's owned by CTI. We have access to some really smart people. Chief technology officer is is a young man named Eric Schneider, right? And Eric's super, super smart. And about every six months, I will ping him because this question will come up, right? I'm like, Eric, how many customers, right? And, and I don't ask for numbers. and I don't ask for specifics, just roughly. It is virtually zero in the corporate space that puts it on the production network. Um, higher education, I'm finding out, though, is doing it. And, and that's what I find interesting is because Joe is not, Joe's not you know, UCLA and, and USC is not the, UC, USC is not the first one I've heard about. Several campuses around the country are putting it on the production network because the IT managers, not putting words in your mouth, Joe, but the other ones um, have said, "We've got the bandwidth, right? We've got some really, really kick butt servers. So why not, right? Let's let's transport that AV over IP because you can you can put it in its own lane. It's not going to bleed over, and you do it right." The commercial side, the the, the, the corporate side, they're still a bit nervous on. Both from sucking up all the bandwidth and 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 the security side.
0: Yeah, no, and, and absolutely. I mean, again, there, there's you got to have managed twitches. You got to yeah. have an IT team who can who can make sure the traffic goes where the traffic's going to go. Right there, there are other things to think about, and maybe that's what's holding AV industry back too. This is a skill set we don't hire and train. You know, when we're first hiring the you know the uh, you know, the entry level to go and carry the ladder off the truck, right? This is an entirely different skill set. And so, uh, and one that we're going to have to hire and account for, and here's the thing, bringing the whole conversation full circle with AI, and integration, it's only going to get more, right? And it
1: should be part of that training of green tech, right? Yep. Security should be 100% part of that you changing you just start with, you know, as Sean said, you know, change the password, right from from password, to password. Uh, final story cams comes to us from uh, our our aviation, uh, as well as uh, one of our, our writers, uh, new writers, Robert Heron, talking about upgrading your work from home setup with a quality monitor uh, can boost productivity. When choosing a display consider planned usage and room lighting, which one was one thing I never considered because. Well, my room, my room lighting at my home sucks for my home office. Um, Robert goes into and, and lays out a bunch of, of displays. You can check out the article. Mitchell will put a link on it. Uh, but Joe, you know, you guys are recording from your house. I work from home uh, typically one to two days a week, so I, I, I have a home setup there. What is it that that constitutes or or, or the ingredients for a just kick butt home work uh, work from home setup?
0: Oh, boy, uh, I'm uh, 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 like a lot of things. I'm opinionated on this one. Um, it what's I go through this back and forth because I know Joe's like, opinionated about everything. Just, you know, you know, because yeah, you know, um, here's the thing, depending upon the weather, I switch back and forth. I know some people swear by the big old curved thing. Right. You're in Southern California,
1: brother. I mean, I, I'm Depends sitting here in St. Louis and yeah. we're going to get hammered this weekend. Yeah, Kansas Whether City, 60, which is Four to- hours west of me is going to host the coldest, coldest NFL game in history. What does changing weather mean to you?
0: It might be drizzling outside. Okay, right? <laughs> um, you know th- that will shut our city down. You know? Oh my! Okay. God. Um, <laughs> not wrong. You're not. Um, so you know, I-, I think you know. So to to try to answer your question, I think the the right setup is how you can be effective, right? I've gone from the big old curved everything and I can't stand it. but but talk to someone else and they'll swear by it. I love the two side-by-sides and I've got my neat frame in the middle and I can have that for business meetings, keep my other things on. That's where I've got my podcast set up over here, but it lets me be effective if I'm going to get Excel in things. I turn this way. If I'm doing a podcast appearance like this one, I'm turning this way. If I'm on a team, you know, a, a meeting with our team, and i I face straight forward, right, and have that. And it's about finding what works for you. Um, and there, I don't think there is a right or wrong answer right i mean and it also depends upon what you do um the bigger screen isn't always better yet i've got two nice big screens that are side by side and i love it and they fit um so that was a very long answer to a
1: very short question and i don't even know i gave an answer i think you did i think you did yeah sean uh what how do you how do you build the ultimate work from home setup for you
2: i want to be comfortable that's that was my that was my first goal when I was like, OK, I'm going to work from home. Um, and um, so I got to I got to lay everything out. So it's ergonomic. My chair's got to be rock solid. Um, Joe and I are both rocking the the secret labs. <laughs> you know, yes. the, the yeah, uh, the free, free press. Advertisement <laughs> I will point yeah. out
1: I am standing for this entire thing. And these two Yahoos are comfortably in a chair. Go ahead.
2: I mean, if you're going to be sitting, you know, all day long, uh, but, uh, you know, this is, this is kind of the setup that I've had for a while, you know, the monitor straight in front of me and another monitor off to the side with the, you know, camera, microphone, all that stuff. Um, but I built a very similar setup for a desk at our, our office, and I found it was like as you're kind of sitting throughout the day. Like you're doing, Tim. Eventually, you just want to stand up. (laughs) You got to stand up. Right. And so, um, you know, I know standing discs have been a thing for a while, but I got one for my office uh, and it is a game changer. Don't have it here. Right. So um, you got to be comfortable. But uh, at the same time, it's like you got to be comfortable and also kind of take care of your take care of yourself.
1: Well, I I think that right there is it. Right. Because you got to be comfortable.
0: Yeah. And you wonder how many people, like if I look at uh, my wife, Amy, she's still, her setup is in our kitchen. It happens to be a little cutout nook and that's where she works. She's got a nice comfy chair, but we don't have an extra office, right? And 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 if she and we tried setting up, but, she, but I annoy her because she hears me and then I'm extra loud. <laughs> and then I'll still get the text saying, please shut up, you know, even from up here with the door closed, you know, but you wonder how many people are still working from their dining room table even years later. Right. And are we taking that seriously? But, but it doesn't matter. I have a nice office.
1: <laughs> so, so many jokes <laughs> and so many places to go. <laughs> I'm just going to shut up say, thank you both so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Mr. Dr. Josiah way. How do people connect with you with Hetma, with your podcast, with your books, with whatever the hell else you're doing? Yeah, you can find
0: me at TD Albright oh on on uh, on the Twitters and X, um, but don't don't uh, don't follow me. Follow uh, all the great stuff we have and uh, that Tim has at AV Nation. And then after you do that, you can then find me at Josiah Way on all the socials. Hepma, underscore org HETMA, higher education technology Management alliance uh please find us and of course higher ed av podcast is my podcast um and we will be at isc tim i will see you in a couple of weeks in person in we'll person. be covering it and uh specifically uh myself and aaron who does your ed tech podcast is going to be out in. there and uh we've got a HETMA crew out there um where uh, we're going to be kind of covering it from a higher ed point of view so uh, i i encourage
1: you to check out all that great information. Yeah, absolutely. Go follow them and, and see what they bring back from Barcelona. Uh, Sean, thank you so much, sir. Very nice to have you. Uh, how can people connect with you or The Farm?
2: You can go to our website, uh, www.thefarmav.com. Uh, we're on uh, LinkedIn and all the socials. We have an Instagram. It's picking up steam. I think we have at least 100 followers. But, uh, Tim, you can make it 101 if you're not following already. <laughs>
1: I will do that this weekend. That way, that Kelly doesn't have to yell at me for that. So, oh yeah. All right, very good. Thanks so much. Uh, for us, as, as Joe said, don't follow me because uh, the Bears are no longer playing football. So, uh, but uh, anyhow, we'll, but they go.
0: might get Caleb Williams, and then
1: you're going to be a real team finally. Anyhow, we'll t- talk about football after this because. They also need a real coach, but that's and there's several available now. Uh, but uh, go by the website, aviation.tv. It's aviation.tv. You'll find this program, Aaron's uh, Higher Ed, and a whole lot more. We were also going to, to ISE, so go by and check out that coverage. If you are going to ISE, Integrated Systems Europe, the 30th of January through the 2nd of February. On the 30th of January, we are hosting our annual ISE tweet-up with uh, our friends at T. And commercial integrators forty under forty at the HD Base T stand from four o'clock until six o'clock on the thirtieth of January. That's four to six local time. I think it's CET. So don't come by at six o'clock, you know, Eastern. Uh, so you can register for that at Aviation as well. Uh, also, uh, we by the time this post we are entering the last phase of our Aviation Annual Readers Choice Awards. This is it. This is the final one. Uh, we got two weeks uh, for you to, to tell us who is the best of the best, whether that's a new product, uh, the best audio, or the Aviation uh, AV Pro of the Year, which Dr. Josiah Way has been in the past. So, and I have, I, I'm, I'm not, he's, it's somewhere in, in his video. Um, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. Let's just put it that way. But, but, but yeah, go to avianation.tv for that. So it, yeah. One of Joe's projects is still up as of this recording. I have no idea whether or not it's going to make it through Monday. But as of right now, it is up there. So uh, all that and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week.
0: The
2: network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This This is AV. This This. This is AV Nation. This is AP Nation.